Welcome into the GT Counter Podcast, the only podcast that is not a bunch of Swifties who are up in arms about Travis Kelsey getting Swifty to the game this weekend. Joining me, as always, my co-host, who is a little bit down on his luck after Notre Dame yesterday, it's our guy Grayson Winters. Grayson, how are you doing today? It's a rough Sunday. Um, I woke up today and was looking for open arms for someone to console me. And instead, I opened up my Snapchat to 800 different messages about my Irish. Um, it's It was a tough Sunday, to say the least. I had to wash it down with uh, 18 holes and two half-and-half half Arnold Palmers out on the course. So nothing uh, nothing makes you feel better than that. So That's right. It's a good bounce-back day, though. Get to go play golf, have some Arnie Palmers out there. I mean, there, there could be worse Sundays out there. Oh, 100%. There's, there's much worse ways to spend your day, that's for sure. Exactly, exactly. Well, Grayson, we had a outstanding weekend of football this weekend and i can't wait to recap it all with you so let's go ahead and jump into the weekend recap one thing that stood out from the weekend that was uh, i'm gonna kick it to you first i know you've got something that uh, stood out to you this weekend from all the different games that we had so go ahead go ahead and lead us off so i usually in this segment like to talk about notre dame uh i feel like that's probably the game of the week and we'll talk about it in a second uh, I think the thing that stood out to me is that there was, you know, Clemson goes out, they lose to Duke in the first game of the year, and they're all upset. Everybody's like, oh, Clemson this, Clemson that, Clemson stinks, because Duke stinks, right? Well, now Clemson plays Florida State tough, and Clemson probably gets ranked in the top 25, even after losing. Um, and you're thinking in your head, well, if Clemson almost beat Florida State, and Florida State's a good team – then how good is Duke? And I think that uh, that answer is going to be found out on Saturday at College Game Day at Duke when Notre Dame rolls into town. So excited for that game. Hate to see Notre Dame play two tough teams back-to-back, but there's only one one way to make the playoffs, and that's to play the hardest schedule possible after taking a loss. So we need it, and uh, excited to watch it. Yeah, the Dukies took it to my Yukon U- Huskies this this weekend. That's a uh, a tough call on my end for my. Uh, we are a Husky podcast, and was and uh, Washington is making us look great, but uh, the the Yukon Huskies they are not. They are zero and four, and uh, injuries have rattled the boys up there. Yeah, that's a. So, uh, they kind of uh kind of took it to them. So yeah, I'm I'm uh, I'm nervous this week. Duke is uh Duke's a little bit scary. A little bit of a scary team. Feisty bunch, for sure. For sure. So, for me this weekend, you know, I was going to go with the Cowboys being just atrocious against uh, the Cardinals as of the Sunday. But uh, we're going to stay with college. And, you know, we're going to touch on a game that didn't have as much notoriety around it as some of the bigger name matchups. But uh, we're going to go with Washington. The Huskies, they played Cal this weekend. It was the game after LSU and Arkansas on ESPN, for those of you who are watching. And, like, Washington, I thought they were going to be good. I had them. I picked them to win the Pac-12. I picked them last week to make the playoff. But it just continues to shock me week after week how they can literally put up 60 points against anybody, and the only thing that stops them is them calling the dogs off in the third quarter because they're up by so much. 
I mean, Michael Penix was pulled with three minutes left in the third quarter last night, and they won, they won fifty. They won by thirty five points. They scored fifty nine points. It's just insane what they're doing up there. We are a well known Husky pod, and so it makes us happy to see this success. But I mean, they're even exceeding where I thought they could be this year. And uh, that offense, Penix is something else, man. They didn't even have one of their top receivers, McMillan, last night, and he cooked he cooked Cal up and down the field. It was. It was a really impressive game. So shout out to Washington. Uh, we love our Huskies, and they're doing right by us so far this year. One hundred percent. We love the uh, we love the Huskies, and as a Notre Dame fan, as much as I want to see USC keep on winning, so we can beat them when they're undefeated, it's going to be a, a tough road in that Pac-12. And uh, Washington right now looks like they may be the front runner. Absolutely. All right. So without further ado, let's go ahead and get into the Saturday slate. Uh, some big games all around. We had six ranked on ranked matchups, and we're going to cover those first before we hit, hit some quick hitters here at the end of the college football segment. But we will start in South Bend, Indiana. And I want to play a game with you, Grayson. We're going to play for these ranked on ranked matchups, statement or survival for the winning team. So We'll start with Ohio State at Notre Dame. Was this a statement win for Ohio State, or was it a survival win for Ohio State? You know, I don't know the answer to that. It's kind of a tough one, honestly. I mean, Ohio State, Notre Dame being just the whole stigma behind Notre Dame is that, you know, they're they're a team that doesn't play in a conference, and when it comes to a big-time game, they always lose, and they never show up to any big-time games, and I think Ohio State was supposed to win this game. And and everybody thinks Ohio State's supposed to win this game. So I think this was a survival win for them. I don't think this is a statement win for them. They were projected to win. They were supposed to win. Um, Should they have won? No. But I think that this was a a survival win for a team that I don't – and I hate to say it because I hope they win out every single game the rest of the year to make Notre Dame look better – I just don't think it's it's possible. And having to play Michigan, I I mean, I just don't see it happening. They're I don't think they're as good of a team as um a good they're not good they're not a good enough team to beat Notre Dame. Um and they did. So I don't know. I I think it's a survival win, to say the least. I'm gonna agree with you there. I think this was purely a survival win. And to be completely honest with you, I think their status, at least in my head, their status of being a contender took a hit in this game. Like, if you watch this game, Notre Dame outplayed them in pretty much every facet of the game. The run game, they were dominated by Notre Dame's offensive line. Notre Dame ran for like 180 yards. Sam Hartman didn't really have to even throw the ball all that much. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's you get down to the end there. They do enough defensively to keep it close, but they they failed a couple of fourth downs earlier in the quarter, especially that fourth and one with like four minutes left where uh, they didn't get it and Notre Dame could have iced it there, but they just weren't able to to convert on the next drive to end it. But I even I know, even early called it. When we stopped them on fourth down, I was like, that's game. Because they couldn't I thought stop, it was too. Couldn't stop the run game. Every single time we ran the ball, the first half. I don't know what we were doing, but we were like, let's not run the ball. Let's not play Notre Dame Notre Dame football. And we score zero points, and then we come out in the second half, and we run the ball every single play. And it's like, oh, look at us. Our offensive line is the best offensive line in the country, and we can just run the ball 10 yards a pop every single time we hand it off. 
doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. It was as Notre Dame. I mean, you said it best before the podcast. If Marcus Freeman hasn't been coaching so well, this is a fireable game. I mean, the play call is terrible. The defensive play call at the end of the game is atrocious. I mean, you have third and 17, you run quarter coverage, you rush three. Uh, how about bring the house and trust in your dudes, trust in your, trust in your guys that have been locking down the best receiver in college football all day to how many yards did Marvin Harrison have? Less, less than 80, I think. I mean, he only had like five receptions on the day. And one of them was just a freaking circus catch. Um, I mean, that's what I'm saying. You're, you're locking guys down in, in man coverage all day long. I mean, uh, Ibuka or whatever the heck, Ibuka, is that his name? Yeah, he's he was the only player on the team that seemed to be making any huge plays. Uh, so I don't know. I'm, I'm disappointed. You play the last two snaps of the game after calling a timeout with 10 guys on the field. Um, yeah, it's just pitiful. It really is. That that's the thing. You can't have that happen. And I know after the game he said he didn't want to take the penalty there, which is fine, but you're at the one yard line. They can't go up any further. You get like what? You, you're getting six inches, but yeah, you should be trying to jump the snap every play. You should be trying to do everything possible to cheat your way to to getting a stop there. Like 100%. there's one second left. What are you doing? A hundred percent. You jump off, jump off sides right there, bring your guy back onto the field and play football. You're down a DT, you're giving them a walk-in touchdown. Exactly. Oh. So uh, that was a frustrating ending. And to your point, Marvin Harrison only had three receptions for 32 yards. That's what I'm saying. L- absolutely locked down the whole entire game. Best receiver in college football. Locked down. Oh, and and- McCord was horrible for most of the game. Like, yeah. couldn't get anything offensively. And to be blatantly, to another point, I mean – we go out there and McCord throws a pick. He throws a pick on that drive at the end of the game that should be caught and goes right through number two's hands. I mean, that guy should be put outside of touchdown Jesus and publicly stoned for that action. I mean, it's just absolutely ridiculous. Oh, dude. All right, next next game. I'm actually – Yeah, so, uh, <laughs> you know, I think the long and short of it is is that Notre Dame really didn't do anything there to help themselves, but I don't think the loss for – or Ohio State didn't do anything there to really help themselves, but I don't think the loss for Notre Dame is season-ending. You go win the games on your schedule, you can still do pretty much anything that uh, anything that they had set out to do preseason. I'm just worried about uh, I'm worried about how it looks losing to Ohio State and Ohio State. I don't see them winning winning the Big Ten, especially with uh, a game that we're going to talk about in a bit. Um, but Penn State is is the truth. So, yeah. All right. Well, let's get on to the next game. The other, the biggest game in the, the 11 o'clock window, we have Florida state at Clemson in a game that really was everything and nothing all at once. Uh, my note for this game was Dabo WTF question mark exclamation point. Like what in the world was that coaching down the stretch of that game? You've got it. You're up 10 points, which is great. You allow Florida State to come back, which, fine, they're a good team. They're going to come back and score points. Keon Coleman is an absolute stud. Johnny Wilson is a huge target out there, and that dude is a freak. And you had Jordan Travis throw the ball pretty well in the second half after being banged up in that first half. So not worried about them coming back. But, man, you've got it 24-24 with two minutes left in the fourth quarter. 
and you're playing for a field goal with a guy who wasn't on your roster Monday. He was about to go work a big corporate job in New York, and you're playing for a kick for the win to save your season. And of course he misses it, and of course it goes to overtime, and of course they blow it on some awful, awful, awful play calling. I mean, there was the one in regulation, I believe it was in regulation, where it was third and one, and they swing a screen out there to the receiver, and they lose two yards. Yeah. Like, I And I was listening to Greg McElroy, who he does his own podcast for ESPN, and he was like, like that play is an RPO tag, which is fine. And so the quarterback sees it pre-snap and is like, there's numbers advantage out there, I'm going to swing the screen. It's like, okay, but – it's third and one, and S and uh, Will Shipley's your best player. Like, why aren't you going to hand him the ball? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, that's such bad coaching from Dabo, from Garrett Riley. It's a complete disaster because Clemson deserved to win that game. They outgamed Florida State. They played better than them for 98% of that game. But those last two minutes in overtime, man, oh, God. they blew it. 100%. 100%. And, you know – uh, it's really disappointing because this is probably the best game Klubnik's played all season. I mean, he really came out and played really, really good. Um, kind of a kind of a, a statement performance by him on the season. I mean, a guy that just really hasn't played that great all year long comes out and plays really, really good against the best competition. I mean, I say the best competition they played all year. I guess we're finna find out. Uh, but debatably, the best competition they played all year. So that's that's huge for this this Clemson program. Uh, Terrible, terrible end of the game, end of the stretch for this team, a team that definitely should have won this game. But uh, great performance for uh, uh, Club Nick and, you know, an exciting uh, exciting future for him, hopefully. Yeah, I agree. And definitely, if you can't tell by our responses, that was a survival win by Florida State, considering they shouldn't have even won the game to begin with. But, uh, you know, if you look, the thing that stood out to me, there were this theme was present through a few of the games, Clemson and Alabama, especially it's home teams with already who have a loss and their back is against the wall and you've got to win to save your season. Like Clemson, like granted 10 and two is going to be a fine result for them, but Dabo's not there to go 10 and two and go play in the orange bowl. Like he's there to go play for college football playoffs. Right. And so they got that backs against the wall performance. You outplay Florida state for the majority of this game and you can't finish the job because you settle for a field goal at the end with a guy who wasn't on your roster a week ago, I mean, it's just malpractice by Dabo. He should be fired into the sun. He should be fired into the sun. I I completely agree. I completely agree with you. I, uh, oh gosh, yeah. That's a, uh, that was a tough game, a tough way to end the, uh, a game for Clemson. And, I mean, the same exact way Notre Dame was. I think Clemson dominated that game the whole entire time. And they just, you know, can't close. Can't close a game out. And it's it's tough. It's tough. That's the difference between a good team and a contending team. Like yeah. the, last, the last two minutes, you got to finish. 100%. On to a game where I'm interested to get your opinion. We've got Bama, who was at home in a similar spot to Clemson, coming off a loss earlier in the year, back against the wall against a highly ranked team. Uh, they get Ole Miss, and they come in, and they're losing at halftime 7-6, to six, but they come out in the second half and just dominate the game. They ended up winning 24-10 to 10 over Ole Miss. 
So, Grayson, was this a statement win by Bama or was it a survival win by Bama? You know, with Bama, uh, with Bama's loss to Texas, uh, you know Texas is a good team. Uh, we know that Texas came out dominated this weekend. I think this is a statement win for Alabama. I think this is a win where you look at an Alabama t- Crimson Storm. Uh, golly, not Crimson Storm, Crimson Tide. Roll Storm, baby. Roll yeah, Storm. Roll Storm. Good win this weekend, boys. Uh, uh, actually, shout out Dustin Hayda, who told me after the game that I never shout him out on my podcast. Um, way to show them boys at Swasu no mercy and scoring in th- with the last three seconds of the game. We freaking love it. Uh, Open invitation for you to come on the pod, Coach, anytime. <laughs> uh, so Alabama, you know, definitely a statement win here. The – you know, you saw last last week everybody was like, oh, they have quarterback problems. They have this. They have that. Jalen Milrow played really, really well. He really did. Um, that offensive line seemed to come a little bit more together this week against an Ole Miss team that is really, really solid. Really is a really good team. That uh, that offense came – or that offensive line came out, and Jace McClendon kind of just gave it to him. Just 105 yards on the ground on 17 carries and a touchdown. Um, just kind of an offensive explosion on the ground for for the Tide. 131 yards rushing, which is something that you know you don't see it very often from a you haven't seen very often from an Alabama team in a couple of years. With uh, you know probably since I don't know when's the last time Alabama had like a really really good running attack like they used to have. Um, it was probably back like pre. Was Josh Jacobs like, even that? Was he even that amazing when he was at Alabama? Well, I mean, yeah, but when they had Jacobs, they had the good quarterback play too. Like yeah. I'm thinking, like when it was back in the days of you know, like Trent Richardson and and Derrick Henry, when you had guys like Greg McElroy and AJ McCarron and Bo Scarborough, you know, is that, was Blake, that Blake Sims out there driving the quarterback bus? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. There, the running game looked really, really good, and I think that's what Alabama needs to lean on. As a, as a program that you know that, like, the quarterback situation's iffy. You know, Jalen Milrow is probably going to get it together. He's going to figure it out. Um, give the give the guy some help. Lean on the run game. Run the ball. Give Jace McClendon 23, 25 touches a game. Um, tote the thing. I mean, the offensive line looked much better, and they look much better in the run game than they do in the pass game. That pa- Their pass pro is an absolute abortion up there. I mean, it's it's not it's not a clinic. It's not something to watch. Um, yeah, there's, it's, it's, it's not as bad as Colorado, but you know, it's, it's getting there. Okay. Um, we'll talk about that in a second too. Golly. Uh, yeah, but yeah, you know, definitely a statement win for Alabama to put them back on the map and let everybody know that they're, they are the team that you, uh, you probably thought they were at the beginning of the year, either that, or maybe only miss is just, uh, maybe old miss is just all the hype, you know? Never know. Tuscaloosa is a hard place to play for anybody. Just because Texas rolled in there and got a win doesn't mean that wasn't a hard game. And I think people undervalued Bama a little bit this week. This was a great Bama spot for them. They got back to doing what Milrow does best. They leaned on the run game. They gave him some designed runs to get going. And then he was able to open it up with some deep passes. Like, that's what Bama needs to do. Run the ball, get some rhythm. And that'll just open up that play-action pass even more for the deep shots where they can really be lethal. 
Like they have to be able to establish the run game and kudos to their offensive line. They've got some big boy tackles out there. They're running like 360 pounds, which is like units out there. One of those dudes is a true freshman and he is ginormous. I mean, it was good to see him play well because especially against Texas and USF, he kind of got worked a little bit. Oh, granted Texas has some outstanding edge rushers, but like, he looks like a true freshman out there. So it was good to see him bounce back and play well. He was able to run block really effectively. And uh, I mean, that felt repeatable for Bama. It felt like Bama can repeat that performance over and over again. And if they can, there's nothing that can like, they won't, they won't have blowout potential because like, they're just not that explosive, Yeah. but they should be able to crockpot these teams like Ole Miss and Mississippi state. Just put them in the crockpot and cook them. Right. Yeah. You should be able to suffocate them and win twenty-seven to ten every day. Yeah, with how good that defense is, a hundred percent. They have a really, yeah. they have a really, really good defense that's probably looks undervalued in a lot of games because they're not getting those big blowout wins. But when you have a defense that's any time a def, uh, a team scores under twenty-one points, it's because the defense played lights out. So, and that's how it is in these Alabama games. So. And there's nothing wrong with them not being super explosive. There's a place in college football, especially for being a crockpot team where you just get people in the crockpot, you just burn them out. And I think Bama can be that team this year, especially with some of these SEC teams on the schedule. And we'll talk about LSU here in a minute. That's their like remaining big game, but like they can throw some of these teams in the crockpot and just cook for a little bit. Yeah. The, uh, and I, I said it, I think I said it two weeks ago. I think the stock's down on the SEC this year. I think the SEC is kind of, and it's, it's surprising because I think the SEC is a conference that may debatably be a bottom three conference this year. I mean, are they the power five, a hundred percent? Are they, are they even, are they worse than, are they worse than a bottom three? Are they, they, I mean, the big 12 is pretty rough. I mean, besides the big 12 is, the Big 12 and the ACC are – the Big 12 at least is top-heavy with Texas. The ACC is top-heavy with Florida State. But depth-wise, like, the SEC is no different than either of those two conferences. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Got to be, yeah, bottom three for sure. Yeah. I mean, and uh, we can cro- we can hit this here in a minute when we hit Colorado State and Oregon, which, hey, good transition. Let's go there now. The Pac-12 just keeps going on a rampage this year, and – uh, definitely a statement one from Oregon. I can I can probably speak for you there on that one. My biggest takeaway from this one, dude, Colorado is not in that same weight class as the big boys out there. I mean, the Oregons, the the Washingtons, the USC's, even like uh, Washington State and Utah. Like that's a different weight class that uh, Dion hasn't seen yet. And man, Oregon just made them look like children out there. It was. That first half was something. Oh my, yeah. Uh, uh, Oregon kind of came out and decided they were going to show uh, Colorado who the big brother was, and yeah, they uh, they put it to them. Colorado's offensive line has not been tested this year, and Oregon came out and recorded seven sacks in one game, which I believe is is I don't know if that's a NCA record, but I saw something about it being like a an all time high or something for Oregon, maybe. Um, anyways, you get the gist. Colorado's offensive line is awful. 
They have two tackles on their team. I believe one is 6'10", and the other one's like 6'7". And these guys are stiff at the hips. I mean, they can't do anything. They can't kick. They can't move. Um, Colorado should have actually texted me this year and asked me if I could uh, get a different Social Security card to uh, play another season of football because they need it. Uh, Wasting grinters. (laughs) Yeah, there we go. We need something. Uh, Yeah, they they need everything they can get. And I bet Colorado will be – hitting the portal harder than ever looking for offensive line players this uh this upcoming uh spring and into the fall year. Yeah, I mean they've got the skill guys to compete and Shadur is outstanding, but he was getting hit every drop back. He had no time to do anything and they still can't run the ball. And that's a tribute to them being just horrendous at the point of attack offensively up front and defensively like Oregon the only reason they didn't hang 80 is because they held back which was a bit surprising. Did you see what Dan Lanning said at halftime, their head coach? I did not. He was uh, he was did, doing the halftime interview or whatever, and uh, he says, I hope everybody who's been watching Colorado this whole year is still watching the second half. And uh, then they came out and scored seven points the second half. I was like, good job, Dan. You really showed them. <laughs> but uh, that first half was some dominant stuff. It, it truly uh-huh. was, and – I was shocked with how poorly Colorado's offense was. I figured that Oregon would score 40 or 50, but Colorado only scoring six points and that happening in like the most garbage of garbage time ever. I was a little bit shocked by that, but yeah, they were, they were worked up front. They couldn't do anything. Yeah. Well, when you play a team that's actually good competition and you don't give uh Shador time to sit in that pocket all day to find, wide open receivers and Travis Hunter, your best player is not anywhere on the team because he's got for another uh, three to four weeks. You should have expected Colorado to get cooked in this game. I actually had somebody uh, text me and ask me for picks this week that I thought were for sure locks. And I told them Colorado, Oregon, and I told them UCLA, Utah, which didn't hit. I'm sorry. I apologize. Um, but they were like, oh, well, Colorado, Oregon, like Colorado's going to win. I was like, lock it. Just lock it because they're about to get cooked. And to say the least, they got absolutely cooked. I mean, we'll put a poll at the bottom of the podcast this week to find out if Colorado's offensive line is worse or South Carolina's is worse. Um, feeling bad for the feeling bad for Shador Sanders in these upcoming weeks and feeling really bad for uh, – for my boy, uh, God, Spencer Rattler. Yeah, Spencer Rattler. Feeling really that bad. Boy's I, been, that boy's been cooking though. I know, but he gets freaking murdered every game. I mean, assaulted. I mean, this guy, th- this guy's getting domestic abuse on the field every week, every single week. Just feels bad for the kid. Just feels horrible for him. Uh, <laughs> that Georgia game was hard to watch. I mean, this guy's just. This guy's just sitting up in the pocket, just getting smoked as he throws the ball. Uh, His white jersey was green by the end of that game. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I mean, it's it's turf black. It's just so tough. They shouldn't. They should not allow them to wear white ever again. Like their choice is to be black or red. Like dark colors only for my boy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. absolutely. So uh, yeah, Colorado, they're going to be fine in the long run as long as Dion stays. Which I mean. There's no guarantee he stays for all that long. But, uh, yeah, they definitely need to upgrade in the trenches because that was uh, they were worked, and it was not even close. 
One that was close, and one of the more fun games of the day, Oregon State at Washington State. And in a game that, you know, one of the most telling stats for me, Cam Ward threw for 300 yards in the first half for Washington State. He threw for 400 in the game, which was, I didn't know he had that in him. I knew he was an outstanding athlete, but he's been playing amazing football this year up at uh, the Palouse. And that's two games this year, two out of three, where they've pulled upsets at home as underdogs. A real good statement win for them. But uh, what was your take on this one? I mean, I kind of think my takeaway was that both teams are good to really good. And uh, the difference there was that Cam Ward just dominated that game from start to finish. Yeah, they, uh, I'm not going to lie to you. This uh... – this receiving team, these uh, these receivers on this team are absolutely absurd. Uh, Kyle Williams, seven receptions, 174 yards, 24, almost 25 yards average per catch and a touchdown. And they had another uh, receiver, Josh Kelly, and this guy had 159 yards receiving and three touchdowns. You know, they just got two wide receivers, and you love to see it. You love to see a team that – this is a team that has – an air attack like Florida state where you have two receivers on your team that are absolute freaking studs and you have no, just about no running game. Uh, but you just have a quarterback that just loves to sling the rock around and throw the ball deep. And, you know, I told, I told, uh, I think I said it on the podcast this week that I really liked Washington state to win this game. And, you know, Reed kind of looked at me through the camera and was like, this guy's an idiot. But in reality, you know, I knew what I was talking about. And Might this, have been onto something there. And genuinely, this game through three quarters is a blowout. Plain and simple. This game through three quarters is an absolute freaking smoke show blowout. And Oregon yeah, State, Oregon State did some they did some window dressing there at the end to make it look pretty respectable, but yeah. it really wasn't as close as the score might make you make you think. Yeah, I completely agree. But uh, Washington State, man, they're going to be fun. I enjoy watching Cam Ward play football. He's added a lot more of the passing element to his game this year. And it's not like these are just little screens and and checkdowns. He's throwing it down the field. He's pushing the ball down the field on the defense. And, gosh, it's really fun to see. And I love love seeing Washington State and Oregon State succeed since they were the two left behind in the Pac-12. So seeing Washington State maybe go on a run here, that would be – That'd be a pretty good outcome. I would love to see it. Yeah, I completely agree. I think this uh, – we talked about it before a hundred times, but this Pac-12 is really, really good. And every single week you're going to have a game that's slated up that's just going to be a freaking stellar game every single week. So love going to be loving watching this Pac- Pac-12 football this week. And uh, for weeks to come, I wish they would put a good Friday night game on when everybody – could stay up and watch a nice little, nice little um, number fifteen versus number twenty matchup in the Pac twelve on a uh, Pac twelve late at night. So we love well, those. Boy, do I have good news for you, Grayson, because this Friday night Utah goes to Oregon State. That'll be about number ten versus number twenty in the country. Friday night, can't wait for it. It's going to be another fun one. Love that. So uh, last one of the the ranked-on-ranked matchups and another game which was just an absolute demolition. Um, Penn State was out there playing football and Iowa was just out there punting. So not sure it was really a fair fight. I mean, Torrey Taylor had a great game. Iowa's punter. But, uh, 
you know, he was, he punted on every single drive they had. So I'm not quite sure how fair it is to analyze uh, this game, but it was quite a statement by Penn state. I mean, that game was, it was the whiteout game and they absolutely left no doubt. Iowa had 70 yards of offense for the entire game. Just an absolute obliteration. Let's, uh, Let's talk about probably the most uh, the most significant stat of the game. Anybody that knows football knows that time of possession is huge. And let's talk about a Penn State team that had 45 minutes in time of possession. I mean, Iowa wasn't even on the field in the game. I mean, they just weren't out there. They were just, you know, they, their offensive line was just having fun. Did they? I, I wonder how many plays. They ran 33 total plays to... Penn State 97 to Penn State's 97. So, I mean, yeah, it's it's everything that you could uh, – if you look at this stat line, it's everything that you could think it would be. Just an absolute freaking domination by a scary, scary Penn State team that at the beginning of the year would not be in the mix in our thoughts to potentially win this conference. Um, and now – looks like they could be a front runner to me. So yeah. just an absolute yeah. dominant win. Just a dominant win. Yeah, and uh, any coaches out there who might be listening to the podcast, um, yeah, is having a difference – is running 64 more plays than your opponent, is that good? I just, I just want to double check. Is that good? So, uh, yeah, it was an impressive beatdown to be sure. They, they ran the ball well over 200 yards. Uh, Drew Aller – Drove the bus plenty fine. So uh, Penn State's defense is what stood out to me. They are a legit unit, and it would not be all that surprising to me, especially given how Ohio State and Michigan have played this year, if Penn State is able to pull off an upset of one of those two teams at least. Yeah, I completely agree. I completely agree. That's the This Penn State team and how the Big Ten looks, like the shakeup between Michigan and Ohio State, is really what's keeping me in ultimate – faith that Notre Dame could make could make it in because I've been worried about there's going to be four undefeated teams. I mean, I don't see any beating, beating Georgia. Um, the Pac-12 could be interesting. USC or Washington could easily go undefeated. Um, but, yeah, Notre Dame, if – I mean, you know, Notre Dame uh, comes out, they beat, they beat Duke next week. Duke potentially beats uh, Florida State at some point in time this year. Do they play? I hope. I'd have to pull up their schedule, so uh, not sure about that one. I'm sorry. I've completely uh, gone gone off track. No, your point still stands, though. Like, that's the thing for Notre Dame is everything is right out there in front of them. They play they play USC, who is a great team. They play Clemson, who is a great team. They'll get to play, and Duke will play Florida State. So, I mean, like, that round robin there is going to – like, teams are going to – Somebody is going to beat somebody who lost to somebody who beat somebody. It's just all going to end up being a giant circle. Like you just have to go win the games on your schedule when you can. Yeah. College football is uh it's tight this year and there doesn't really seem to me that there's very many teams that are just dominant, dominant. I mean, there's teams that are dominant, but you look at these, their schedules and you're like, are they going to be able to dominate every team on the roster and every team on the schedule? And it just does not seem like that's, that's plausible in a lot of ways. So got to, got to, uh, the playoff picture is going to be something, uh, something interesting. Can't wait for them to uh, move to a bigger playoff group next year. So 
This year would be the perfect year for a 12-team playoff, too. Oh, 100%. It's just so slated. You just have teams that just they deserve to be in. There's going to be multiple, multiple teams that deserve to be in. And you're going to have New Year's Six Bowls that are wasted because teams don't even play anymore. I mean, nobody yeah. – half the players don't play in these New York Six Bowls anymore. They're like, why would I go play? I'm going to get hurt before my NFL draft. The funniest – sorry, this is – we're totally going sideways right now. We'll get back on track in a second. Um, last year, some defensive end from Oklahoma State decided that after they lost their first game of the year that he was going to uh, forego the rest of the season and start training for the draft in which he did not get drafted. So I thought that was hilarious. Um, oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Way to, way to ruin your career, buddy. Good job. <laughs> The oh. ultimate backfire. Yeah, I can't wait. I, God, I hope this gets right out to him. He listens and he's like, yeah, I'm the biggest jerk off of all time. Yeah, please come on the pod to explain your decision if you ever listen to this. I mean, oh. we'd love to hear it. Yeah, I'd love to hear your decision making. Your Just your thought process. Like, oh, well, we don't have a chance to win the Big 12 this year or be in the playoffs because we lost one game. So, oh, God, dude. <laughs> Oh, gosh. And Oklahoma State this year, we can touch on them real quick while we're on the subject. Looks like they finally settled on a quarterback. Looks like Gundy's going with Bowman for the most part, but they allow an Iowa State team who has not scored hardly any points this entire year to put up 34 on their head yesterday. Just just a bad, bad team. Both of them, really, but especially Oklahoma State. You know, the Oklahoma State fans love to see a closer game to – uh, you know, that makes them feel a little bit more warm and peachy. A loss hurts. A loss does hurt. And I think a couple more losses in a row are going to hurt even worse when they roll in, play Kansas State next week at home, play Kansas the following week. And then they have a good chance to be a West Virginia team at West Virginia and Cincinnati at home. So, I mean, we'll, we'll see on those two. The, the Cincinnati team is uh, – is rough to say the least. I think Oklahoma kind of uh, took care of business there um, and covered covered the spread, by the way. They didn't really take care of business overly. They didn't score a ton of points, but they did cover the spread. So, I mean, Depending on when you got it, it was uh, 14 and a half early, but it closed at 13. So if you got if you got OU early, I am terribly sorry for you. But if you got them late, good job. You got a hit there. Yeah. But, yeah, that game, OU, I'm not sure they're firing on all cylinders this year. Gabriel looks just a little bit off on some of his stuff. Uh, I mean, I just expect him to be more explosive against the Cincinnati team who just allowed Miami of Ohio to score 30 on them. Yeah, I agree. So We're going to find out with OU real quick, though, because they play Iowa State next week, and then after that it is – the Red River rivalry at the Cotton Bowl. Can't wait for that one coming up in a couple of weeks. But uh, all right, Grayson, let's hit some quick hitters real quick, and then we will get it over to you for your uh, your segment. I just want to hit real quick on Texas and Baylor. Waco has been a house of horror for Texas over the years. They've not played very well in McLean Stadium down there. Baylor's won, I think, the last two home games that they've had against Texas. But this year... Granted, terrible Baylor team with a backup quarterback, but Texas walking in there and demolishing Baylor in the way they did, that stood out to me because it didn't really feel like they played a clean game or a perfect game by any stretch of the imagination, but they still had close to 500 yards of offense and scored 38 points. The defense was outstanding. They allowed uh, 
Baylor was in the red zone, I believe, six times. Now, three of those were due to muffed kicks, which was that's a, something they'll have to clean up. But uh, And Baylor scored six points out of those six trips into the red zone. So, I mean, just outstanding defense by this Texas team. And that's really the main differentiator for me for this team. They are playing some outstanding defense. They have some dudes up front. Yeah, I've said it. I've said it before. And Texas football is kind of, in in sense, is opposite of how Notre Dame plays football. Notre Dame is like, we love our defense. Our defense is really really good, and our offense is going to suck. But we're going to run the the air out of the ball. Where Texas is like, we're going to out offense you and not play any defense. And you know, this year it seems like Notre Dame has an offense and Texas has a defense. And it's just really, really bizarre for uh, two teams like that who are just, you know, never really have those two things to uh, finally put it together and start firing on all cylinders. Uh, Texas is Texas is very, very dominant, and I would expect for them to continue to trend that way the rest of the year. Yep, it'll all come down to the Red River game, which I cannot wait to see, but – they should have a fun one this week against Kansas, who is an offensive electric factory. Uh, if I had to guess, that would be a pretty fun game to watch. So looking forward uh, to that one. Kansas also slipped into the top 25 this week, by the way, at 24. They, they did. So. They, they deserved it. They are – Jalen Daniels is outstanding offensively. They can put up points with anybody, and they're 4-0. I mean, they should be ranked. Yeah, I agree. And then lastly here, let's go to Death Valley. We've got LSU and Arkansas in the Battle of the Boot. In a game where it was a lot closer than many would have expected, uh, the spread was, gosh, 18. And Arkansas had a great chance to win that game outright coming down the stretch. K.J. Jefferson was outstanding. The uh, Rocket Sanders, their stud running back, was out, so he had to do a lot more than usual. And he was up to it, man. He was throwing the ball around really accurately. He was running well made good decisions back there. I mean, that was like the peak K.J. Jefferson game, and it still wasn't enough. LSU just in the end had the ball last and was able to to sit on it there at the end and kick a field goal at the death. But uh, interesting one for you here. Let's go back to the, uh, the survival or statement victory. It is a rivalry game, so maybe we should give LSU a bit more credit, but felt a lot like a survival game to you, didn't it? 100% survival. And – this LSU team is is rough. I mean, I thought they'd be a lot better coming into the year. I thought they'd be a really dominant team in the SEC. And, you know, they're not the LSU team of the past. They're a team that, you know, LSU is known for big-time defense, and they are not a good defensive team this year. They're not. They're letting other teams score 100 points on them, throw the ball everywhere. I mean – the biggest stat from this game to me is Arkansas punted the ball one time, one time in four quarters. If if Arkansas's quarterback doesn't throw two picks, Arkansas wins this game by potentially a couple possessions. I mean, you know, KJ Jefferson had a really good game, um, other than his two interceptions. Had a couple of receivers that had really big games for Arkansas as well. Um, it's just one of those one of those games where it was just an offensive battle where the score probably doesn't really show that how little defense was played in this game. Yep. Yep. I'm right there with you, but it's a game LSU had to have and they ended up getting the win. So if they are somehow able to win out, I doubt it'll be held against them, but definitely would have wanted to see something a little bit more uh, convincing from them, but good on Arkansas. They played hard and uh, another big one for them this week against Texas A&M and, uh, Hopefully the boys can be in attendance there and have a uh, 
have a report from the press box after the game. We'll have to see on that, though. So, All right, Grayson, let's go ahead. Coming up next, it is time for you to take the wheel of the show however you see fit, and I can't wait to see what you've got cooked up from uh, your weekend of activity. So coming up next, it is time for Grayson's Gridiron segment. Moving into our next segment, uh, you know, your favorite part for you uh, for you NFL fans, we're going to move into the Great Iron Classic. Uh, starting off the day, let's start off with our Thursday night football game of Giants versus the 49ers. Um, you know, just like my boy Peyton Spencer's fantasy football team, the Giants have continuously been bad. And I would not expect them to be anything less the rest of the year. Um, RIP to my boy, Peyton Spencer, who thought that him getting a win last week was going to propel him to his, um, his beautiful season. Unfortunately, he's one, uh, one week closer to uh, doing our punishment in our fantasy league. So congratulations, buddy. We're proud of you. Going to um, have to start bookmarking some TikToks, Grayson. and we're going to have to start getting some ideas fired up for him. Yeah. The, uh, the the users and the uh, the viewers are going to be really interested in this uh, in this TikTok punishment. Let me tell you, I do have one thing from that game. What is your feeling on Daniel Jones? You know, oh God, I love I love Daniel Jones at the beginning of the year. You know, I was big on him before Week One started, and God, he's just looked terrible so far this year. He's just really has just looked bad, and you know, getting Darren Waller, I thought he would be a little bit better. You know get a better receiver, you know, a little bit better everywhere. Now they're just, they're just atrocious. And Saquon being out right now is just the nail in the coffin for a really, really bad football program at the moment. So Saquon coming back, they could probably pull a couple of wins. Um, right now they're, they might be in tank mode. Maybe we'll see. Yeah, I just didn't think he was that big of an issue Thursday specifically. He's played bad games in the past, but like, I don't know. I just didn't think he was all that terrible Thursday. They need to help him out with some weapons, though. They can't get by with, you know, the Wandale Robinsons of the world. And, you know, that receiver group that they had last year was just not getting it done. It's a miracle that they went 9-7-1. Uh, and seven and one. Shout out to Brian Dayball for, for pulling that one out. But, <laughs> you know, I just think that they need to help him out with a few more weapons. But I, anyways, I, I just – I'm just – I was just curious of your opinion because uh, – there's there's a strong contention out there who think he's horrible, and then there's other people where I more fall in line where it's like you know he's not great, but I don't think he was the reason they were losing it on Thursday night. Oh, a hundred percent. I agree. I agree. Uh, moving into our next teams that are in the run to get Caleb Williams, let's talk about a team two uh, two teams that hadn't won a game cross pass today. Uh, you had Vikings playing the Chargers. And, you know, Justin Herbert came out and just freaking kind of just took over. Took over the game, 405 yards passing, three touchdowns. Kirk Cousins had a really good day. Uh, there's kind of an offensive explosion on both sides. The, uh, the Chargers run game is just atrocious. These guys cannot run the ball, cannot move the football on the ground. And it's kind of become that the Chargers are kind of a one-dimensional team and could see that causing problems for them in the future. So uh, congratulations on to the Vikings on staying in the race. 
Congratulations. Yeah. And I know Reed Roloffs is happy about that one who frequents our podcast every, every Thursday. So, uh, did you see the Brandon Staley is just a complete madman. It was fourth and one at his own 24 with two minutes left and they're leading and he goes for it and they run fullback dive and they don't get it, which allowed Minnesota to get the ball there at the end and try to go win the game. But luckily they got to stop for, for his sake. But I was like, Dude, you are a madman. Number one for going for it, and number two, you run fullback dive, like sneak the ball. Ninety-two percent. Shout out to Jason Kelsey for the ninety-two percenters, but it's a ninety-two percent play. What are you doing? Fullback dive. Come on. Oh gosh. Moving to the team who I think at this point in the season is leading the race to get Caleb Williams. The Broncos headed out to Miami, and. You know, to say the least, Miami put on a freaking show. Have you seen a faster football team? I mean, do they have – does anybody in the NFL ever – have they ever had a faster roster than this Miami team? And these and guys are electric. Waddle didn't even play today. That's what I'm saying. I'm saying. And they're just freaking electric. Mike but, McDaniel is perfect for Tyreek Hill. That dude is an absolute blast to watch in that offense. And how about Raheem Mostert? Just freaking, just a goon today. Just an absolute goon today. And um, Devin A-Chain, four touchdowns for him too. Yeah, yeah. So the offense for Miami had 726 yards, which is the second most all-time in NFL history besides the Rams uh, in uh, the 1960s. Uh, they also had the... Uh, Miami Dolphins scored 70 points, which is also the most since that 1966 Rams team. Uh, Really, really cool to see a team just come out and have an absolute offensive explosion. I could not believe the score of this game when I saw it earlier. Uh, And Tua's odds to win the MVP have been cut in half over the last six hours from plus 1,000 to plus 500 as he jumps over Patrick Mahomes in the race to win MVP. If you really like uh, Tua here, this is not a bad number to get him at, at plus 500. However, he's good to get a concussion in the next couple of weeks. So might stay away from that one. Yeah, you know, uh, I'm going to do something unprecedented here. The Miami Dolphins, welcome to the box score Hall of Fame. I typically reserve this for small school colleges, but they can join Texas College and – Harden Simmons, you've made the box score Hall of Fame. 70 points and 700 yards in an NFL game. Welcome. Congratulations, Congratulations to, to the Dolphins. You've made it. Oh, moving on to other teams that have just made terrible decisions. They might not be 0-3. However, they decided that they were going to sign Blake Group as their rookie kicker to take over Will Lutz's spot. And when the rookie needs to come in clutch – he decides he's going to miss the 46-yard field goal to lose them the game. Love that. Uh, congratulations to the Saints and Saint fans all around the world. Um, shouldn't have gotten rid of Mr. Automatic. Congrats. Eli Calhoun, <laughs> terribly sorry about your Saints, yeah, buddy. Yeah, I apologize for you. Uh, moving into another game. Uh, Colts beat the Ravens in overtime today. A Colts team that's really looking good, not going to lie to you. Um, really looking good. A little bit of a, some would say there's a little bit of magic going on 
over there. And it might not be his mustache, but it's something, okay? The guy is guy is playing good football right now. They're uh they're two and one and leading the AFC South at the moment and doing it all behind some some crazy man with a Fu Manchu. So congratulations, Gardner Minshew, on on an outstanding win over a really good Ravens team. I can't be the only one who was shocked when Justin Tucker missed a game-winning field goal attempt at the end there. I know it was from 61, but I was I was legit shocked. I was like, oh my gosh, he actually missed. And not only did he miss, he came up short. I was yeah. like, oh, that's unbelievable. The man the man who never misses shows that he's uh he's human for once, huh? Yeah, he is still the the most automatic there is, but uh you know, occasionally even robots mess up. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Another team moving into and I saw this headline earlier this week, and I want your take on this. Uh the Bears come out and they lose forty one to ten to the Chiefs today. Bears are potentially another one of those teams that are going to be in the runnings for uh, Caleb Williams. Are you are you done with Justin Fields after this season? Has he has he not shown enough to uh, continue to keep? I'm done with the Bears for Justin Fields. I think he needs a change of scenery. I think he needs a whole new just start over, man. Let's get you to you know. Let's get you to Vegas. Let's get you to let's get you somewhere. To, let's get you. I mean, Tampa, they need a quarterback after Baker. Baker seems like a stopgap. Like, we just need somewhere cozy and somewhere not Chicago. And, you know, obviously horrible week for the Bears with their defensive coordinator resigning over some alleged inappropriate behaviors, which may or may not be a CP charge, which is just a terrible, terrible look. But of course, that's alleged. We'll have to see. We'll have to see on that. But we aren't going to touch that one here. But yeah. yeah, I mean, the Bears are. It's it's pretty sad to see how far they've fallen as a franchise. I agree. I agree. Uh, Etzel believes that I need to give a public apology uh, to C.J. Stroud as he really came out and put a hurting on the Jaguars, who have not looked very good this year. Um, you know. I already texted ben, Brandon Perez and told him congratulations on getting your first win of the season. Uh, the Raiders completed that in week one, uh, which they're not going to get another win after that probably. We'll actually play Denver again one more time, so we'll probably get two at least. Um, you know, we can only pray, but yeah. That's right. Uh, still not on C.J. Stroud right now. He had a good game, throws for 280 yards. Congratulations, buddy. We'll have to see more. So are you going to apologize for him or to him, or, or are we holding off on the apology? We're holding off on the apology. He hasn't earned it yet. Oh, all right. We're, we're working towards it. Uh, into another game. How about the Cardinals beating the Cowboys? I know this hurts Cowboys fans. And Cardinals, what are you doing? What, what are you doing? You get the first and second round pick in the, or the first two picks in the draft. What are we doing, guys? This is terrible. This is a terrible coaching decision to come out and beat the Cowboys. Um, Cowboys came out and uh, kind of just crapped the bed. Just looked like a really bad football team today. Raiders just scored. Sorry, we're doing this on Sunday night, guys. Going for two now to get it get it within eight. But yeah, I mean, you look at the Cowboys and they are who we thought they were. They're they're going to be good for the majority of the year, and then there's the sleepy spot where they give up a rogue James Conner game where. They run for 220 yards as as a team in the first half, it felt like. So, 
I mean, yeah, it's it's a bad loss as a two touchdown favorite, but you know, it's the NFL. They're professionals and they get paid too. So that'll happen. But uh yeah, Josh Dobbs, you now own a uh, minority stake in the Dallas Cowboys. Congratulations. Uh Josh Dobbs' first NFL win as a starter as well. So that's big time for the man. Um congratulations. We probably won't see many more from there. Uh, I don't think they want to see many more from him either. <laughs> I agree. I agree. Uh, right now on Sunday night football, you're watching two teams that are horrifically bad on offense match up against each other. It's kind of a snooze fest. Um, the Raiders decided they were going to do the most entertaining thing of the game by throwing a, a 40 yard post route over top of the middle on fourth and one to Devonte Adams by faking QB sneak. We love it. Um, more of that less of the boring running the ball for three yards with a running back that had less than eight negative eight yards rushing last week. So yeah, pretty, pretty disappointing. Yeah. I'm a, I'm slated on the NFL. I mean, it's been, it's interesting. It's just too early to tell you any of these teams on who's really going to be the, the, the front runner in anything, obviously right now, if you look at everything, you look at the dolphins being a front runner, the Bills have come out and kind of stroked the two teams they've played the last two weeks. Um, Chiefs are back to normal after their week one loss. And unfor- uh, a Browns team that I actually am enjoying watching play and really like them AFC-wise. NFC-wise, obviously, Eagles and Cowboys, even though the Cowboys lost today, two really good teams still, and the 49ers still front runners. Uh, if Tampa Bay somehow comes out, Tomorrow night and beats the Eagles. I will officially say that they are a potential runner in the NFC. Um, I have a lot of confidence in Baker Mayfield to come out and get a W on Monday Night Football. So we shall see. That we will. So uh, odds and ends are coming up next, but let's go ahead and jump into this real quick because I'm interested in your thoughts on this. Who is the worst quarterback right now that you would rather have over Zach Wilson playing football for your team? The worst quarterback that I'd rather have over Zach Wilson. Yes. Like, I think I would rather have current day Peyton Manning quarterback my team than Zach Wilson. Interesting. Zach Wilson is, yeah. I, I mean, obviously I'd rather have current day, even current day Peyton Manning. I would, I mean, I would rather, I would rather put me out there. Not actually, but you know. Zach Wilson is Zach Wilson's pretty, pretty rough um, in all aspects of the game. I would probably say that I could take Tyrod Taylor over uh, over Zach Wilson right now. Throw him in, and he probably would be a better option, better liable option. Um, you know, the Raiders have a better bench quarterback than than Zach Wilson. I would say I would probably take Aiden O'Connell and throw him out there, and he's never even started an NFL game before. And I would take him over. Uh, over Zach Wilson. When it comes to guys that are starters that are, you know, interesting guys that probably wouldn't start on most teams, you know, Baker Mayfield could probably play over him. Um, Kyle Trask would probably be a stretch. He would probably be a stretch. That would be a stretch. Uh, Gardner Minshew would play over him in my eyes. Uh, Josh Dobbs would probably play over him in my eyes. It would be, it'd be a close one there. Um, I don't know any other really quarterbacks that are just not that are starters that are just not 
they're not great quarterbacks to say the least. Um, I'm trying to think. I All right, mean, so I've got a I've got a list, and I want to hear is, your opinion on is that. Desmond Ritter better. I mean, yeah, they're two and one. I would rather have Desmond Ritter, especially with. I mean, the the Jets don't have as good of an offensive line as the Falcons, but I think he can do enough in the passing game. Yeah, I agree. would you would you rather have Russell Wilson or Zach Wilson? Russ, I know it's rough to say, but Russ probably. Mm, I don't know. Um, I would rather have Ryan Fitzpatrick at the current moment, who is currently in a uh, a commentator for Amazon TV for Prime Video. I would rather have him. Um, I would rather have current day RG three, who's been at ESPN for five years. Um, uh, who else? I would take I'd rather Tim, have Tim Tebow off the slate. Yeah, Tim Tebow is probably a good option there. Um, I'd honestly probably rather have. Uh, Troy Aikman come out of retirement and play. Uh, Tony Romo, yeah, he could yeah. he could play. Tony over Romo Zach could definitely play over Zach Wilson right now. He'll be he'd be fine to come out of retirement. Absolutely. Um, Aaron Rodgers, you know, Aaron Rodgers, torn Achilles, wheelchair in a walking boot. <laughs> in a walking boot, probably better liable option. Doesn't even need, yeah. need to take a three step drop back. Still throws in the end zone from the other forty. Um, I'd probably rather have Kyle Shanahan leave the 49ers and play quarterback for the Jets. Um, I mean, there's any number of them. I mean, I'd probably rather see, you know, we could throw Joe Buck out there and let him go play quarterback for all I care. We just, we, Zach Wilson is an atrocity. A hundred percent. So, uh, you know, I think, I mean, we could even leave, we could go cross sports if you want. I'd, I mean, I think I'd rather see Luca play quarterback than Zach Wilson. Uh, you know, we, I'd rather see Shohei Otani play quarterback than Zach Wilson. I mean, anybody, just anybody. So, all right, good stuff there. Let's go into odds and ends next. We have a packed agenda for you, the people. Uh, can't wait to get into that. So we will get into that coming up next. Coming back, Grayson, we have to talk about the legend, Mad Dog Russo of Radio Lore, based out of ESPN New York. And uh, he had a Saturday of legends, uh, allegedly, according to what he was talking about on first take. Uh, I just showed you the clip. I'm sure a lot of you listeners have seen it. Uh, talked about what he is, his, uh, his Saturday was going to look like. And uh, it was the stuff of legends, Grayson. So... He says at 12 o'clock, he's going to take his dogs out, you know, make an, make an early cocktail, quote, early cocktail, which never too early. Holiday rules were in effect on Saturday. So, I mean, it was anything goes there. And uh, then we're going to we're going to take half a gummy, you know, got to take half a gummy, especially it's up there, you know, wild old guys are the worst on, on those things, too. I mean, just can't imagine being around him. But don't get wrong, my boy's not rationing. Just wait. Oh, don't don't worry. We are, Mad Dog does not ration those things around. So, so then we take half the gummy, and at about three twenty-five. Granted, Colorado game started at three thirty Eastern time for for Mister Mad Dog. So we're gonna be in the t-shirt and shorts, and we're gonna have the other half of the gummy. And we're going to call the boogie Fat Rob and put 10 dimes on Colorado to win. 
Granted, Colorado did not win, so I hope he enjoyed the gummies. But just an outstanding bit from Mad Dog there. I don't know if he actually did it or not, but the fact that he went on first take with Stephen A., Marcus Spears, and there's an incredible meme out there from, uh, I I think it was Kevin Van Valkenburg tweeted it. He's He used to work at ESPN and did a whole meme, and it has uh, Marcus Spears' face around. It's like the old Vince McMahon meme where he's, like, you know, he's got the look and then, you know, the red eyes and he's leaning back in the in the uh, the recliner or whatever. It was just truly incredible. So shout out to Mad Dog. I mean, for an old guy, apparently he gets down. I mean, I can't think of any better way to retire than uh, than doing that. <laughs> That's too funny. Too funny. <laughs> and then, okay, we have to do this. I've been meaning to do this for a while with you, Grayson is our top five draft, and we are going with Mario Kart characters. There's so many good ones out there. Uh, you could base this off of stats. You could base this off of purely looks and driving the cart. I mean, so many different things, but we did, as usual, a random number generator from 1 to 50, and you almost sniped it. You guessed 31, and it was 32. So uh, the floor is yours with the number one pick, and we'll just go back and forth. Uh, until we get our top five list. So, yeah, take it away, number one pick. Uh, Number one here is probably the easiest spot to be in. Uh, You know, you could go with classics, but I think the best one to go with here is you got to go with Bowser. Bowser's top tier. He's a top tier player. He's your number five. Um, He's holding the rock down at the center's position, and he's just just your dude. So give give me Bowser. Bowser carries the Mario series in general, but Mario Kart, that dude's an absolute unit out there on the track. Yeah, oh, 100%. Just hate to see him with the red shell coming up, or even the blue shell. I mean, you get the blue shell, that's a problem with Bowser right behind you. Yeah, it's over with. It's over with for you. Yeah, yeah. So, at the number two, gosh, um, I feel like I have to take Mario here. So, I will take the namesake of the game. A lot of good options on the board still at this time, but, you know, Mario's a classic. He's a real balanced character, good speed, good agility. You know, we'll take Mario. I'm fine with that. So you want, you want, are we snaking, snaking back to you? Yeah, we can snake it. Might as well. So at the three, the character that I always used to take, just purely for the sound effects, I don't know if he was a great character in general. I'm taking Yoshi. I loved racing with Yoshi. Every time he passed somebody, he stick, sticks his tongue out and does a little rap thing. I mean, he's he's a classic. Yoshi's the goat. So I will take Yoshi at the three. I think we got to stay on the factor of big-time players in here. Uh, I think I'm going to take Donkey Kong at the number two spot. Donkey Kong, just an absolute factor. Always eating the bananas. Always throwing his peels on the ground. Um, really just, really just a takeover player. Uh, and I think in my number three spot, I think I'm going to go and turn that M upside down and I'm going to give myself Wario, uh, another huge body. Um, you know, not necessarily probably one of the greatest players in here, but you know, the mustache is just iconic. He's just, he's just that kind of guy. So give me, give me Wario at the number three. 
Gosh, you've got the market cornered on all of the absolute units in the game. You got Bowser, Donkey Kong, and Wario. I mean, you've yeah. got, you've got some dudes with size. They're they're equipped. They're equipped dudes right here. Absolutely. There's a lot of good options left on the table here. Um, so with my third pick, I'm gonna take. I'm gonna take over actual Luigi. I'm gonna take Waluigi. The, the Slender Man. We're taking Waluigi. Always seems like he was the villain on the track. He was always out there doing the despicable stuff. Waluigi was a character I never wanted to see while I was in the lead. So I will take Waluigi. Well done. And then in the four, I have to be careful with this one because you're going to get back-to-back picks here. i got to be careful with it. So I'm going to go ahead and get the guy I've wanted to get. We're taking Baby Toad, not Toad. We're taking Baby Toad. Okay. Baby Toad was an underrated character in the game. He was agile, you know, drove the little small cart around. He was always in and out of traffic. And uh, he was always a character I wanted to play with. So I will be happy to add Baby Toad to my team. I like it. I like it. You know, there's a lot of value left on the board here. And I honestly think that uh, we're just going to get, you know, just killed in the comment section. If we don't take Princess Peach in this four spot, the value there is high. Um, she's one of the best to do it. She is a, she's an upper tier main character in the game. Um, I don't think there's any other spot that I'd want to take her at. Uh, top tier, top tier for sure. In my five, in my five spot, there's a lot. There's a lot left. You do you have you have two more picks after this? I just have one more pick. Okay. In my five spot, you know, there's a lot of options to go here. I could go Dry Bones. I could go uh, uh, Koopa Troopa. Um, I could go. Donkey Kong's son, Diddy Kong. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of options to go here. And, you know, Luigi's still on the board. Could go Luigi. Um, but, you know, I think I'm going to go one that's just outside the box. Outside the box thinking, you know, I got, I got three units on my team. I think that it doesn't make sense to not to take a fourth unit. I think I got to go with King Boo in this spot. Just an absolute unit. The guy's just floating around all over the course. Probably has one of the coolest Mario Kart rides in the game. Um, he's just top tier. I mean, uh, in in the Mario franchise in general, this guy is an absolute unit in Mario Baseball. You play with him, he hits an instant home run. So, I mean, this is, this is my guy. I'm taking him at the five. King Boo, especially like whenever he hits you with a red shell, he does that thing where he spins around real quick in the cart. Yeah. It's just such a sick move. I mean, King Boo is a legend of a character. Gotta be. Gotta be. And, you know, that leads me to my number five. And there is still so much value on the board. But, uh, you know, it's hard to pass up Luigi. But then again, it's also hard to pass up this guy. And as much as I love Dry Bones as well, we're going to take the Koopa Troopa. We have to take Koopa Troopa in this draft. He's he's an outstanding character, and I would be remiss if I didn't get him on my team. Oh, 100%. 100%.
And you know, so. there's a lot of there's a lot of honorable mentions in this draft. I would say, um, Dry Bones has got to be an honorable mention. Bowser Jr. honorable mention. Uh, Diddy Kong honorable mention. Diddy, Diddy Kong is very underrated. Oh, hundred percent, hundred percent. But then yeah. you've got like Toadette, you know, Lady Toad. Yeah. Daisy. Nobody picked Daisy. That's mm-hmm. it. Um you have a you have Shy Guy. He's a Shy Guy, yep. Interesting player. I, I didn't know if we were doing all the advances, if we were doing Metal Mario. Um if we were doing, he, he wasn't a he wasn't an OG Mario Kart guy. Yeah. If we were doing Dry Bowser, you know, I didn't know if we were doing those guys, or if we were doing Baby Mario, Baby Luigi. No. I mean, I did take Baby Toad, so I—I I mean, I guess I guess they're somewhat available, but I feel like Baby Toad is more widely known than like Metal Mario or something like that. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Just an outstanding character list, though. It makes me want to fire up the old, you know, which console did you use to play Mario Kart on? Because like I used to have it on Wii, and having that little steering wheel that you're yeah. moving around. I was actually, uh, my sister was huge into the GameCube when we were a kid. And, you know, I used to grind the GameCube a little bit. I actually had uh, the OG Mario Baseball on the GameCube, and I was absolutely stupid cracked. I mean, I was taking the team to the championship every year. We were, and that ga- I'm telling you, nowadays, they make games where, like, the computer doesn't beat you. In that game, the computer was spanking you if you weren't good. You hop on that game and you're not good. Computer beats you by 20 runs. I mean, it's simple as that. So that's one of those. Uh, it's one of those games that it's just OG classic, and the kids in this generation are just never going to understand. So they don't know it. I mean, they don't make them like they used to. The computer used to be a, ha- a tall task. I mean, with online now, it's you know you don't see many people playing against the uh, the dreaded CPU. Back in the day, playing the playing the CPU, like if you jacked up the difficulty, it was hard. Yeah, CPU was given fits, given huge fits. Yeah, I um, mean, especially in like those those old Madden games. Like if you put that thing on all Madden, like those I dudes actually, are playing. I actually had Madden. Uh, I believe I had Madden 04 on the GameCube, and that was uh, one of the most difficult Maddens you could ever play in your life. Potentially, it's just tough. If you if you played CPU Mike Vick on that game with on all Madden difficulty, like good luck. Yeah. No tackles were being made. This guy was scrambling for a thousand yards. Yeah. It was exactly. Okay. Which that's a great transition because uh, we're going to be having our podcast out on Friday this week. We'll be recording Thursday night. We're going to have read back on, and we are going to do the fictional athletes draft and 2004 Mike Vick does qualify for that. I feel like he was mythical enough. Like, <laughs> Like he, I think he should qualify for that. But I, I don't see, I don't see why not. I really don't. Reed, Reed will probably beg to differ that he shouldn't be a qualifying character. But yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't see why not. Maybe we'll see some of these Mario Kart characters on there too. Like I could see Bowser being a draftable player in that one. Yeah. Oh, I could see, I could see Bowser being drafted on there. Um, you know, I'd have to, I'd probably have to go with Classic Air Bud, but you know, dude's a dog. Um, but yeah, literally <laughs> simple as that. Yeah. Can't wait for that one. And, uh, we'll of course have a preview up for the weekend upcoming. Also this weekend, me and Grayson are especially excited for the Ryder cup. It's coming up this Friday through Sunday. And, uh, 
they're playing out out in Rome at Marco Simone Golf Club out there. So can't wait for it. The American team, uh, you know, the Europeans are matching up pretty good. They've got some studs over there. We might have to get a we might have to get a guest on for a quick segment on that. We'll see if we can't pull some strings and uh, get maybe a little Ryder Cup roundtable going. But uh, really yeah. excited for that, and uh, you know, another great weekend of football. Can't wait! Can't wait to cover it all. hundred percent. Can't wait for it. It's gonna be uh, it's gonna be one to watch. That's for sure. I mean, you got me all excited about Friday night. Now it just can't come any sooner. So exactly exactly so uh i think that'll be it for us here uh grayson you got anything else for the people nothing much man i mean you guys uh you guys have a good week whatever you're doing compete in whatever endeavors you have and uh be the be the best you this week uh and uh we'll uh we'll tune in with you guys on friday oh the raiders just mucked a punt oh good grief oh they got it back all right they're not dead yet so uh Grayson has got to go sweat these last 12 seconds and uh, I got to let him get there for it. So for Grayson, this is Tyler. Be your best you. Be the man in the arena. And until Friday, peace out.